you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd overdrive. I will always survive. Are able to play it back on Facebook Live? Like, you can go back in and watch it? Um, while it was live, I could go back and watch earlier in that session. I didn't go back to the link afterwards to see if they posted okay. the um, the finished. But you certainly can. I mean, uh, yeah. Facebook Live, I th- believe you have the choice of, uh, of either having it Archiving. posted or, yeah. or, or not. So... Because I know there have been some things I've gone to, especially product announcements and stuff, where you know it's it's not as polished as they want their legacy to be for that announcement. So ah uh, yes, they 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 do the announcement. You can take your notes. You could capture it if you wanted to, but it's not official. I mean, it's not it's official, but it's not the official way that they're going to be. Uh, promoting right. it in the future well yeah. so if fanboy planet does facebook live i promise it's uh it is it's like an elementary school uh, volcano project <laughs> it'll be cool at the time it'll be messy don't and you mean like the mentos the mentos experiment the mentos experiment yeah, yeah but i was thinking i was thinking the volcano because like like some effort went into it and there was an explosion and it was fun yeah. and uh but and, you know and then hey. you learn about wiping up it's gonna be it's gonna be rough around the edges. That's all right. So hey, yeah, this yeah. is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Welcome to the Fanboy Planet podcast. Uh, running the board and making sure this all uh, the rough edges of the volcano are smoothed. Oh my, Rick Brett Snyder. I'm not even gonna try follow that. <laughs> I, <laughs> thank you. I I, I enjoyed with uh, that analogy. Anyway, uh, so we got uh, some interesting stuff for you. A little comics news, a little movie news, a little TV news, and a top story of uh, we're rolling back into our Cinequest interviews. We we don't know what's going to happen with Cinequest in August, uh, but we're hoping something. And in the meantime, I talked to a lot of creators back in March, and their films deserve to be heard about. So we're going to talk to talk some today. Uh, but before we do that, of course, I want to say that if there's anything we do talk about on this podcast that you would like to own for your very own and you cannot find it or order it from your local brick and mortar store, uh, because I realize again, still, I think some store, more stores are doing curbside delivery and some may be absolutely outright open. Um, but if you can't find it there, you can go to Amazon. We are affiliated. We get a little bit of a of a bounty, a revenue, if you will, for any order that goes through the Amazon links on Fanboy Planet. And that includes the search box off to the right. If you'd like to just help defray the cost of running the podcast and the site, you can, of course, just donate directly at PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. That's editor at fanboyplanet.com. As well as if you'd like to join the conversation, and we always appreciate that, hearing from people who listen and read the site, 
or listen to the podcast and read the site. Of course, uh, you can email me at editor at fanboyplanet.com. As well, of course, you can follow us on the Facebook page. Join the conversation there. You can follow us on Twitter at fanboyplanet and Instagram at fanboyplanet. Although I think the cool kids just say Insta. Yeah. So uh, you can follow us on fanboy. No, I can't do it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> let's uh, let's go into it, shall we? Uh, back in March, uh, right before all this happened, uh, I had the pleasure of uh, one of the I should say one of the movies that was just buzzed about was this thing, uh, this film called Takeout Girl, and uh, it's uh, written, produced, and starring Hedy Wong. And uh, so she created this material for herself, and it's about a young woman, brilliant college student whose family runs a Chinese restaurant, and so she's been doing takeout, and she realizes after delivering to a drug dealer's den that she could help the family business better by actually running for the drug dealers because no one will question who she is. You know, they'll assume she's bringing takeout. So uh, it's an interesting crime drama. It's definitely uh, Eddie created a, a strong character for herself. And we got a chance to sit down at the California Theater with writer, star, producer, Hedy Wong, writer, director, producer, Hisani Johnson, cinematographer, producer, Alberto Triana, and producer, Melissa Del Rosario. And I do want to also call out there is a Fanboy Planet connection, sort of, as far as thematically, with Hisani Johnson. Uh, and we hung out a little bit and talked a, a little bit afterwards as well, who has done some uh, interesting fan films. I mean, I guess now it's like, are they fan films? They're just unapproved by Warner films <laughs> from the production value. Uh, doing his own take on... Uh, on the Nightwing saga, basically, if Dick Grayson had never actually been adopted by Bruce Wayne, and so it's Grayson Earth One. There are two uh, videos on YouTube you can find, Grayson Earth One and uh, Grayson Earth One, uh, The Boy and the Bullet, which is uh, talking about uh, Jason Todd, a, a younger Jason Todd. And then he just came out with, and I, I haven't found it or watched it yet, is uh, Red Hood versus It. So that sounds really interesting. Anyway, so uh, here we go. The crew from Takeout Girl. We are here in the uh, lobby of the beautiful California Theater at Cinequest, and we're talking with director, cinematographer, mm -hmm. and writer, star, costumer, caterer, producer, <laughs> anything else, yep. uh, of, of, of Takeout Girl, which, uh, you know, honestly has gotten a lot of buzz ahead of time here. So um, I'm hoping that's reflecting in the screenings. <laughs> I don't know yet, you know, but it, so we'll see. Uh, so please identify yourselves for the podcast. Hi, my name is Hetty Wong. I'm the lead and co-writer for Takeout Girl. Hisani Johnson, writer, director, and producer of Takeout Girl. Alberto Triana, cinematographer and producer of Takeout Girl. Okay. So uh, let's let's start. With, would you like to identify yourself? Sorry. As well? uh, Melissa Del Rosario, producer. Oh, you producer. Okay, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, so I, I don't want to I don't want to leave anybody out. There you go. Uh, so let's though start with Hetty because I think this is my in, my gut in watching this and looking at the press is you're a person who wanted to take your career in control and create a role for yourself and play both. So what? Right. 
Um, what drove you? Yeah, you know, I, I took a lot of my inspiration for the game from the music industry, and a lot of my friends are rappers and stuff, and, you know, as I'm working in L.A., I notice how all of our actor friends, we just be waiting around the phone to get a call back while, while they're actually every day grinding on their music, putting out their own mixtapes and stuff. So I saw Takeout Girl as my own version of an acting mixtape. And, and, and it's easy because then I just write what I know. You know what I'm saying? I'm not making things up, uh, plead the fifth, but uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're sparking a lot of questions that I probably shouldn't ask. Uh, just see the movie. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but it, there was something about family and yes. uh, or is something about family and uh, you know try and I think in this culture and uh, in this this country about trying to be a small business owner and all mm-hmm. these things to take the crime out of it for just a, a, a moment right. but how hard it is in this economy to stay alive oh oh yeah uh, my family you know they've been running Chinese restaurants for years like all my life and as a mom and pop uh, restaurant they you're, you're trying to support yourself and your employees, and sometimes, you know, there's always dry spouts during the season, and it's like you, you can make a lot of money, but in one day you can also lose a lot, too. And the taxes right now, the, the regulations, um, especially in the Bay Area, um, the health care, it's just a lot a lot for a small business to handle, and that's why you see a lot of mom and pop restaurants and stores closing down. Are your family's in the Bay Area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, the restaurant. Have you been to uh, Saigon Seafood Harbor restaurant? Uh, my dad doesn't own them anymore. Yeah, okay. But so yeah, that's where this this the that restaurant was your in- inspiration. Yeah. Yes. Well, and it sounds like you, a family of restaurateurs. What drove you to be an actor in L.A.? I always wanted to. I always wanted to live other stories. You know, um, I always wanted, you know, just growing up in Oakland, Chinatown, San Francisco, Chinatown, I always wanted what it's like to be somebody else. But as I got older, I think my greatest strength was to embrace my own story. Okay. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to uh, doing, music can be a, a solitary uh, creation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, film requires more. So, oh, yes. uh, you know, how did the rest of you get involved in this project? Um, Hetty actually brought the project to me uh, three years ago and um, took me a while, but I realized that she was such a unique individual that it would be easy to make a film that was entertaining starring her. So I took on the project. We wrote for about a year, and then I began pre pro the project and shot it, and now we're here. Okay. Everybody, please tell me. <laughs> um, well, when I actually met Hassani for the first time, uh, we were just kind of talking, trading projects like what we what, what, what we each have coming up, and um, he brought Takeout Girl, and you know, the moment I heard it, <laughs> and then the moment I met Hetty, I just it just everything made sense because I liked the premise; it sounded really cool, and I was like, man, that's going to be really interesting to see to to kind of pull off this type of character. This personality, this very strong, you know, arc, you know, person that we're going to follow throughout this whole process. And the moment I had the, my first conversation with Hetty, it just everything clicked. I was like, oh, this is going to work perfectly. And um, so I came on board, you know, as a producer, cinematographer, did all, you know, did my thing there. But it was just, it was really great because everybody brought something to the table, and we all kind of helped each other and kind of fed off of each other along the way. So it was a really collaborative effort, which is one of the best things about filmmaking, in my opinion. 
Yeah. And Melissa, how about you? as an indie producer, mm-hmm. uh, what are the challenges? Like some of our podcast listeners might not really realize, you know, what an indie producer is doing and what drives <laughs> someone to do this. It's crazy. Yeah, an indie wonderful. producer. Crazy <laughs> but wonderful. But an indie producer does a little bit of everything, uh, just like everyone else on set. And it was it was a wonderful experience with everyone on the team, everyone in the cast, everyone on the crew, they made it worth it. The story was incredible. Like, I read the script. The guys shot me the script, and they were like, hey, I really want to work with you. And I, I had just finished uh, screening a short film at Cannes. And they were like, we really want to work with you. Just read the script. Let us know what you think. I'm reading the script on the beach. And I'm just kind of like, this is exactly the next project I want to, this is something I want to be a part of. Like, this is what I was looking for. And for indie producers, I feel like a lot of it is, like, Part you have to be part crazy, part passionate, but a lot of it is the story. So if you find the right story and you find the right cast and the right team, everything comes together. Like we're like I don't see myself, I can't see myself not making movies with the rest of the the cast, the crew. Like they're like family. Like this is my big brother right here. This is my big <laughs> sister. Like oh yeah, we're making the next project. So this is what it's going to be. You're forming a collective. All yeah. Right, yeah. That's all right. Well, you know, what drove you into producing in the first place? What inspired you to do that? Uh, what inspired me to do producing? It's actually super funny. I thought I, would, I was going to be a director. I was like, I'm going to be a director. I still direct a little bit, but, like, someone told me, the producer I was working for, he told me, hey, you're going to be a producer. And, like, I was just kind of like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, you're going to take my job one day. And I was just kind of like, okay, we'll see. Like, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if like I'm good at this. Like, I don't know. Like, like I, I'm just figuring it out every time. There's something new to do, and there's something. It's the challenge. Like, it's something to find out. Something. So, there's a fire somewhere. Put it out. There's something that needs to be planned or mapped out. The director wants this. The actress needs this. Like, what's needed? What's new? What's happening next? And it's exciting to me. All right. I mean, he's right here. You said he's your big brother. How yeah. big a diva is Hassani? Hassani? Hassani is actually... Wow. We're talking about a different Hassani. So anyway. Hassani <laughs> actually is not is not a diva he's it's so funny because you look at him and he is he self advertises as this he's a a what is it? A bully? <laughs> you know, a, like a, a teddy bear and a bully body. Good, good heart. Good bully's heart. body. Bully's body. Like, he looks so much scarier, but when you actually get down to it, like, he's the sweetest and kindest and easiest to talk to. There's some instances where we had to take him aside, but he was never, not, not a diva. No. Okay. Definitely no, not. No, not at all. I mean, piggybacking off of that, one of the greatest things about this whole ride, um, my collaboration with Asani Johnson one of my favorite things about working with him is the no sacrifice. Like, like we're not going to compromise on something. We are going to make sure that if we're going to do it and we're here, we're going to do it right. And if we have to do another take and another take and another take, we're going to keep going until we get it right. And that was something that I really enjoyed. And it, it made me want to be better on set because I didn't want to let him down. I didn't want to let the team down. I didn't want to let myself down. And he strived for that greatness in every person, everyone. One of the things... 
he always says is every time we show up to set, it's like every, you know, he'll tell everybody like today is an opportunity to be great. You know, seize this moment, do right. something great, like, you know, rise to the occasion. And it just rallied the troops. And it's, I mean, it's hard not to be like, you know, ready to go to war with this guy. So everyone would agree. Anyone on set would agree that he is the most patient and he is the most committed to this story and has been like first one there early every time, last one to leave. And like, there's been so many hours between Alberto, Triana, Hisani Johnson, Hetty, where it's like nights and nights, and it's just their commitment and them putting in time and blood and sweat and all of that stuff, you know? I can't speak in highly enough about these guys and well, my team. And you, Hetty, had talked about this like being the mixtape, and I think, and so for both, both of you, uh, Hassan and I were talking and realized there's a nerd connection uh, <laughs> of directed this Grayson. Do I call it a fan film? Is that okay? Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I because, love that term. I, because I always say when fan films, it's like you know, fan films are a heck of a lot different than like <laughs> when I, I was in the '70s watching Hardware Wars. You know, <laughs> so um, and if you haven't seen it, it's great. But anyway, uh, but that you did this. You did Grayson Earth One. You've done uh, did you say Red Hood it. versus It. Yeah, yeah Red yeah. Hood. It. Um, so. There's all this. It's, it's a time now where you really can speak personally. You can bypass the entire studio system if you wish to. Um, and here you are. Like, what does it feel like to be living in this time where you the tools are accessible in a way they weren't 20 years ago? Well, first, I want to show you something that I think you'll appreciate. There. Oh. <laughs> I got Batman, Superman online hey. somewhere in there. I'll show you later. I'll bring it. Around. <laughs> Um, Before that was a thing, by the way. So anyway, you know, it it's weird. It, I feel like I was on the tail end of of, of working with film uh, in college. I, I actually ended up majoring in acting, but I started as a film major, and I was terrible with film. It was the digital revolution that really sucked me in as a filmmaker, and being able to fan films are just the most. I don't know how to explain it freeing experience I've ever had because uh, I only make things I know the studios won't make and I think that's the true spirit of making fan films and, and making stuff in general is like make stuff that you will not see anywhere else tell stories that only you can tell you know uh, so that's kind of the spirit in which I kind of jump into any project with Grace and Earth One it's an Elseworld story Red Hood it those entities are never going to cross over from, from a studio. No, it's not going to sure not. Sure. <laughs> Although Warner Brothers owns them both, so yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they could. <laughs> but uh, that's in the fans' hands, you know? There are actually... So in a way, I guess I see it as there's... There are jobs that only the fans can do, mm-hmm. you know? And, and those tools are available to us, but you could do it with an iPhone. You could do it with the recorder you're holding in your hand. As a matter of fact... Grace and Earth One, the first episode was, was recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've the had idea. people tell, walk, filmmakers walk in and say, "Yeah, this was yeah. what I used." So. so, I mean, it's empowering, but it also feels um, it, it's empowering. But the other side of that is you, you have an obligation to to kind of make stuff. You don't have any more excuses. That's a really good. How, and how do you feel about it? Eddie? <laughs> Ooh, uh, well, as an Asian American, um, you know, artist creator, I feel like this. Indie route was the only way I could tell my story because I didn't believe that a studio would back this. I didn't believe that, you know, shoot, the indie department of a studio would back this. And um, a lot of times, you know, a lot of Asian American movies that we see now, they're usually about an Asian American, but they're always going back to uh, 
China or, or, or mm-hmm. some other country where their motherland is. And that's cool. That, that's a great story. But um, growing up in the 90s, I didn't really see a lot of Asian American stories that talk about our life here to the soil, you know? Because, um, you know, uh, we're a minority of minorities, but, you know, I was telling Sonny, like, yo, we grew up just right alongside you guys. We went mm-hmm. to school with you guys. Why does our story always have to always go back to some, some foreign country? Like, mm-hmm. we right here, like, mm-hmm. you know? So do you feel, uh, not to put the weight of the world on you, a responsibility mm-hmm. to be part of a revolution or an evolution, that it, is it changing? Uh, y- yes. Um, I, I, you know, there, there are giants that came before me who kicked down the door, and I just wish to add to that special pot of sauce. <laughs> okay, I like it. Uh, so where next? Like, we're actually doing this recording Right after we got the announcement that Cinequest <laughs> will right. play through Sunday, and then the next ten days, or you know, maybe will be in late August. So, what is next for Takeout Girl? Um, we uh, we've heard back from a festival and accepted a, a spot at a festival in Oregon. I can't say what yet because they haven't released it, yeah. and another one in LA. Uh, so, uh, but we've submitted to some pretty powerhouse film festivals. Like, as with every indie film, we had some hiccups that, that made Cinequest our starting point, but uh, the rest of the year should be really strong. And, and that's a big thanks to guys like you who take us, take us seriously and get the word out about our films. If we do well, it'll be partially because we've got to speak with you. Well, we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> in brightest day, in blackest night. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> People tell us to our side. We will make this happen. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you you very much. Best of luck. Appreciate it. Thanks to everybody. And, you know, best of luck. Rick and I were talking earlier and pointed out that uh, a couple months back we had the interview with the team behind Before the Fire, which was a pandemic-set science fiction film, uh, now not so much science fiction, uh, that, you know, that is that it has been picked up for distribution and release and probably will be video on demand in the in these circumstances but i think that's the, that's the right venue for a great film that wouldn't you know it, it wouldn't have filled 3000 theaters because of the, of the scale of the film but it's a great great film so video on demand is the way and as rick and i have talked about many times it's becoming like well it's cool i'm enjoying sitting home popping my own popcorn or my own heating my own taquitos and uh you know and and watching a great great thriller so uh, i'm hoping the takeout girl will also be picked up i I, again whatever form cinequest takes next i'm hoping that takeout girl will return but i'm also wishing for the best for this film which is still getting a lot of critical buzz so thanks guys let's get to comics news shall we because comics did resume delivery last week uh diamond started shipping again uh the dc shipments were coming from their distributors i've heard that dc and diamond are not necessarily playing nicely together yet but they may again did you have any problems getting your dc books this week uh i only had two dc books and they were both there i got the new justice league and i got the new um metal man so. Okay. See, yeah, I asked for that, uh, you know, but it was it was too late, and they said, you know, they got they didn't get they only got enough for their subscribers. They didn't get the uh, the and I, this is from a news source because I'm down in L.A. Um, I wanted to pick up Metal Man, so I, I that 
they didn't have extras to uh, sell me one. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping that will get straightened out. But in the meantime, the DC has been taking this, or maybe it's AT&T doing this, but DC has been taking this opportunity to, not too quietly, cancel some books. And I think they're doing what they can editorially to save the work. But uh, And it could be sales. But I'm very surprised to, to find out that the 100-page giants, which I thought were doing very well uh, for DC, and all through this time, you know, Walmarts have still been open. Uh, people have still been going. Maybe the sales have dropped there. Uh, stores where they had been going into comic shops were getting the 100-page giants. I think uh, this last week was a special 100-page giant for our fighting forces. And uh, they are all canceled. And uh, there was an announced series in the wake of Event Leviathan called Manhunter's Secret History. Yep. It was Mark Andreco was going to be writing it. Uh, really great writer. Uh, DC has taken this opportunity to just outright cancel it. And I saw a note from Mark online that not only is it true, he has no idea what's going to happen to the material. So that kind of bums me out because Kate Spencer... That, man, that version of Manhunter, I thought was really interesting. I don't think when she first launched pre-New 52 uh, that the series sold particularly well, which is a shame because it was really fascinating. I think now it's probably, you know, the thing with it then was it was ahead of its time. Did you read any of the event with Leviathan, Leviathan stuff? I haven't read the ending of it yet. Well, yeah, I, did. <laughs> I thought I was going to a couple of mo- weeks ago, but uh, but they didn't actually print an ending so it just kept going oh well i think that's the thing is this was supposed to continue that story exactly and uh so it, it's but i not- didn't think it was going to be the kate story i thought it was once again they're going to re redefine what manhunters are which no, I'm, no, no 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 that's, that's what i'm saying I'm it's totally manhunters it. secret files kate spencer was going to be the protagonist leading through this history uh so uh or secret yeah it was called secret history so i just don't i don't know uh, and then over in the Neil Gaiman's Sandman Presents line, Lucifer, uh, which was I, I read the, the few issues at the beginning. It, of course, does not in any way, shape, or form, even though the characters the same reflect the Netflix series, uh, which was the Fox series. Uh, but uh, Lucifer is canceled, but they are allowing the team to finish it up as a graphic novel. So again, you know, I wonder. Through all this, if you've gotten out of the habit of buying weekly comics, and honestly, it it's it kind of felt weird to sort of go back into the habit after a month. Um, that graphic graphic novels, graphic albums, maybe the way it just it's going because DC Zoom and Ink, or they're not calling them anymore, young adults and kids line. Those graphic novels are. You know, there's no shortage of those coming out, and as far as I know, the sales are going really well. So I think that just may be the way people prefer are, are moving towards consuming. Uh, so anyway, uh, on the Marvel side, Marvel's option has been rather than cancel things. We mentioned, I think, a podcast or two ago that they were going to digital. They're calling it digital first, but what they really mean is that these series that didn't sell as well, but had, but I think do have great followings. Um, you know, or vociferous followings, if you will, maybe not numerous, but enough to warrant that they are going to release the rest of the series 
digitally. And when they say digital first, they mean that somewhere down the line they will collect into a trade paperback and release that way. But if you are someone who, and I know there are people, you, and Rick, you made the remark about TKO Presents uh, or TKO Studios. It's The website is TKO Presents. You know, offering things in the option of six issues, you can get them as a as a box set, or you can get a trade paper, a paperback, or you can get a digital only version. Um, you know, this is different because at least TKO has the six issues. In these cases, you might have three issues, and then two issues are digital. Uh, you have a trade paperback. Now, I'm not so much the completest I used to be, but. I'm sure that there are some people who really lo- love having them in the d- individual issues. So I don't know where to come down on that, but if, if you as a listener have an opinion one way or the other, please feel free to write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And here are the series that are going to be digital. Uh, Avengers of the Wastelands. I didn't read it. Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Great character. I'm behind, so I wasn't buying that series yet. Uh, 2020 force works. Number three is coming digitally. That's, uh, this Wednesday, Wednesday, June 17th. And this surprised me because I thought the sales were pretty strong. Valkyrie Jane Foster. Number 10 is, uh, digital Ant-Man is digital. I hate to say that that doesn't particularly surprise me because I think Ant-Man has had several series in the last decade and it may be a character that plays really well in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the comic version of Scott Lang bears a resemblance, but it's not, you know, it's not Paul Rudd. I think they uh, were at its height when they did the, um, the one where Ant-Man was kind of not, it wasn't Scott Lang. It was, um, I can't remember his name, but he was just a not honorable person. The rogue shield agent, in yeah. the incorrigible Ant-Man. That, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that was it. Kirkman wrote that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert Kirkman. Um, but that actually took the character into different areas. That and the more recent ones have just been a little weak. Well, I mean, and, and that's why I think at, at this point that so many stories have been told. Uh, you know, the thing is that Marvel has gone to a to a model of storytelling that really does go through arcs. It's like having the superior Spider-Man, uh, the incorrigible Ant-Man. Even my beloved, the immortal Hulk is there's got to be an end point to that story, yeah, you know, and that conception of it. So I think that's the problem when you when you've got a character like Scott Lang, you no, know, the, the probably the most interesting thing that Scott Lang was was in uh, future uh, future foundation, yes, future force, yeah, um, you know, when he was he, he was, took over, he was the lead for yeah, he was the and adult. That, and, and that was one of the most interesting usages of Scott Lang in the past two or three yeah. decades, you know. So, but with uh, respect we'll to Valkyrie, I'm I'm with you. I was surprised, but I'm not surprised because the character arc for Jane Forrester Foster. ended Foster ended with her as Thor dying, but then coming back, and now she's Valkyrie. It's almost it's like a demotion. Really well, and I and I think the reason being is they had that ending in mind, and then they announced that Natalie Portman was coming back. To and and that Taika Waititi said that you know she would be that, that she would be Thor, in in Thor: Love and Thunder. So, you know, then they had to do something with her after they'd killed her off. 
because right. then people it was it was a news cycle for a day that Jane Foster was coming back to the movies and you can't walk into a stop. I mean, it's Steve Mix and I have talked about this a few times is, you know, this is the reality for comics, which are a loss leader, which are an IP development. And I hate to say that about Marvel and DC, but it's really true as opposed to indie comics in which it's a creator just telling the story they want to tell. Um, and then if somebody buys it for TV or movies, that's fine. You know, Marvel and DC, that's what subsidizes continuing to do to do comics. And you got to align. And, you know, that's 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 why Scott, Scott Lang has to be Ant-Man right now, because that's who it is in the movies. And if Jane Foster comes back, you have to have a comic book that has Jane Foster front and center. But she can't be Thor any, anymore because you said she wasn't in the comics, you know. So um, surprise there, 2020 Ironheart, number two. But I haven't been reading any of the 2020 stuff yet either. Um, Ghost yeah. Spider number ten, that surprises me, and yet I think the thing is uh, again really popular character when it, when it was the Amazing Spider Gwen, which she was never right. called in the comic, but the right. title was Spider Gwen, right. and when the Into the Spider Verse movie came out, and she, they never called her Ghost Spider, but when that movie came out and was super insanely popular and rightfully so, you couldn't find a book about Gwen Stacy, you could only find a book called Ghost Spider. So that, uh, regardless of quality, that one doesn't surprise me much. Hawkeye, Freefall, not sure. Um, Marvel's Spider-Man, The Black Cat Strikes. I don't know why it's called Marvel's Spider-Man. But anyway, uh, Ravencroft, number five, I can take a guess. I didn't pick that up, but again, I think that has something to do with Agatha Harkness. And a book called Star. I have no idea what that is. None. None. So, anyway, uh, you did get to go to the shop uh, this week and uh, from Hijinx Comics in Willow Glen and pick up some new books. So you get to have a pick of the week. I'm, I'm going to mention one, but then I'm going to talk about the other one. So if you were, Cheat. I, I haven't read it yet. Okay, that's but fair. Then, if you were sad when the the last Doctor Aphra Star Wars series ended. It's just started up again this week. They've got issue number one of a new volume of that story. So exciting there. The one I did read, and it's it's kind of, I've been catching up on this book. It's Earth's Mightiest Heroes Avengers, number 33, which starts a new arc, uh, Age of Khonshu, Moon Knight. Oh, I read about this. And uh, the, first the first panel, the first page has a Moon Knight character and a Jonah Iron, Hex? Iron Fist. Oh, oh, Danny Rand, Iron Fist, <laughs> yeah. yes. So uh, on the first panel of this, which, which for me symbolizes what I've been seeing in this book for the last uh, you know 20 or so issues, which has been The Avengers had been such a dark book. They had taken it some really dark places with world and and universe shattering events and, and uh, split teams and teams made up of, of crazed misfits and stuff. And the current team is actually fun. And then the whole book is returned. Not that they don't have serious stories, but the team is pretty fun. You've got, you've got she Hulk who talks like Hulk, but thinks like Jennifer Walters, which is, which is a great uh, soft narrative for her actions. And you've got Blade, the Vampire Hunter, um, Ghost Rider, uh, the la the latest version, um, Thor, 
Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, and Black Panther, uh, which makes for real. There's a, there's a scene uh, about twelve issues back where they all get in the sauna together, and there hasn't been this much fun since the X Men played baseball together. Uh, of just you know the the awkwardness of being in a sauna, which of course She Hulk doesn't feel awkward at all. Um, but this book, this book has reinvigorated my interest in the Avengers. I, I did not buy Avengers of the Wasteland because I was real, I was really thinking about dropping the book entirely from my pull list. Um, and I'm back on it. I'm really looking forward to, this is part one of a new arc. Um, it's going to be a good jumping on place. If you've not been reading the Avengers, uh, if you're just if you've been tired of all the the magnitude of what they've been doing, this is a return to a fun team where you get it's one of those books where you get six or eight superheroes in a book without having to buy six or eight different series. Well, so. I do appreciate that. Uh, I did uh, I, I did pick up uh, four books in a miniseries, two, three, four, five, and way back when, when number one came out and I picked it up, I think I'd made it my pick, so I do want to say, because a trade paperback will be coming, which is from Ahoy Comics, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, which is a sequel series to a series called The Wrong Earth, about when the kind of 60s Adam Westy version of a stalwart superhero, the lead superhero of, a, of, a, of an Earth, uh accidentally trades planets, trades realities with the grim and gritty, dark, kind of 21st century, not-so-fun version of the character. And You covered this, that a, a while ago, I remember the... Yeah, uh, yeah. So this is now, it's instead of being having switched places, it's, it's telling a story from their pasts, uh, uh, parallel with the same vi- ver- the villain, the two different versions of this villain, Devil Man, I think he, he was, uh, and... You know, it's again, as I look around at what's happening in the world, particularly as we record this on a Sunday afternoon, uh, it's an interesting, and I'm seeing people say, like, you know, where do we go wrong? This is an exploration. Art proceeded, you know, was asking this question before reality was. What has gone gone on? And so uh, I think it's uh, really worth taking a look at this book. I think I recommend you go get The Wrong Earth because that's it's a really good book. And this just feels more and more kind of taking it through a lens of superheroes and, and feeling, you know, what's the naivete or, you know, what's uncompromised goodness. And, you know, do you have to compromise to fight evil? And so it's a, it's a good book as I find every Ahoy comics book that I have picked up, I have really loved. And, um, you know, so I'm looking forward to the next, and I got to go find things like Captain Ginger and Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror. So, you know, uh, there's some good stuff going on. So, uh, let's. You want to talk about some virtual conventions coming up since we're still not getting together in person, but there are many virtual opportunities coming up. Yeah, so far I haven't been to any comic book conventions online, um, but I've been to probably about six virtual conventions for board games and video games and upcoming this, this upcoming month. And even into July, there are a number of ones that promise to be huge. Um, probably the first one that, that people would recognize the name of is origins, uh, which is a huge convention. Um, 
that basically it's it's a Comic-Con style event because it, it doesn't just cover board games. There's a whole lot of cosplay. There's comics and uh, Origins is is a, a, a huge thing. But of course, it's not being held this year in person. And they're they're actually one of the first ones that I have seen that is actually is going to charge uh, for admission. So it's like prices from se- from ten dollars to seventy, which I suspect has to do with what level of of involvement you want to be in in games because you buy tickets to play in games at Origins. Um, so that's coming up uh, June nineteenth through twenty first, and we'll put the links to all these in the, uh, the show notes on the webpage. Um, so you don't have to get your pencil out and scribble this down wrong right now. The the other one that's that's kind of um, unexpected and huge was announced a couple of weeks ago. It is the Board Game Geek and Dice Tower online convention, and that those are two of the big uh, information hubs for for uh, gamers for reviews for information about games. And they do regularly have, I mean, Board Game Geek, I think, has four conventions throughout the year. And Dice Tower has, I think, two, maybe maybe just one. But they had, des- they had decided that they were going to put, um, put their conventions together and do a virtual con. And everything I hear about this is just so exciting. They'll be doing, uh, they're, they're going to be using online gaming services and and standalone games, games on your phone. It'll, they'll stand, there'll be a hub so that you can get together with other people who want to play the same game. And then most, a lot of games on, on mobile devices, you can play with two or three people at the same time. So they'll be doing that. They'll be having panels. They'll be having, uh, a vendor showcase. They'll be having interviews and demos. And that is going to be, let's see, let me find it again. There is June 24th through 28th. So um, that's the one I'm probably the most excited about because I've actually I've actually seen them talk about it. Gen Con hasn't really released any noteworthy information about what exactly they're doing. So the one I've, I've probably the most aggressive one that I've heard about recently is IGN, um, which IGN is Imagine Games Network. It's a big online review and and promotional uh, website for for gaming for all kinds of games and they are starting their convention june 4th and it closes june 24th so that's 20 day that's a 20 day span not not every day has something going on for it but it is um days of expo and live live stream gaming and it'll be competitive gaming um the kind of kind of virtual um virtual sports, esports uh, kind of things that go on with, with games. Um, and then just a lot of announcements of new games. Looks looks huge. Uh, I wish I knew more spe- specifics here. Um, and I don't know if they're charging for admission. I suspect they are not because this looks like a lot of promotional stuff. So again, that'll be, that'll be in the uh, show notes. Um, and I'll probably drop a couple of additional uh, shows that are smaller that we didn't don't really want to take the time to talk about right now. Right, and you mentioned Gen Con hasn't released their plans. Comic Con announced that they will be doing a virtual Comic Con. 
but we don't know anything about that yet, although it will be the same dates that it had previously been announced. Uh, but they haven't updated since late April on their own site. And, uh, you know, so we'll see. In the meantime, yes, there are small regional ones happening as well. Wizard World is doing some stuff. So, you know, we'll keep up. Uh, so let's go to movie news because, of course, you know, rumors are still happening. News is still coming out. And I think, I, I don't know if I if I want to call this like a, a bombshell that happened this week because if you were if you cared and paid attention to the story you know two years ago uh henry cavill never said anything different uh that the news broke this week that henry cavill has been negotiating with warner brothers to return as superman now uh because when it was the rumor came out that that was it, Warner was changing tactics, and there was never going to be a Man of Steel two, and people said, "Oh, Henry Cavill's leaving." You know that. Then he said, "You know, I still have the cape. It's I'm not I'm not giving it up." So he and he said it in almost every interview where anybody has asked him over the last two years. Well, now it's finally happening, partially because of the Snyder cut, and then every day there's a there's a will they or won't they bring the cast back to do stuff? I don't know. You know, we'll see see there, but. The plan, apparently, and I, again, let's just say apparently, allegedly, because nothing is confirmed. Of course, that really speaks to everything that they've ever done with the DC movies <laughs> in the last five, six years. Right. How many projects have been announced and, and died, you know, on the vine. But that Superman, I think the best analogy you heard for it is that they would use Superman the way they use uh the Hulk in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that he's showing up in other projects. I think a no-brainer would be Shazam 2 since infamously, you know, they had a stunt, Henry Cavill stuntman play Superman in that film, mm-hmm. uh, but they filmed him from the you know neck down. So this time they could actually have it. It's established that Shazam and Superman do know each other. So, you know, there we go. Uh Maybe in Wonder, probably not in Wonder Woman 1984. I think that's pretty much wrapped. Uh, but if there's a Wonder Woman three there, uh, which I think there will be, um, you know, that's possible. Black Adam definitely. Black Adam and Superman have fought a few times in the comics. It seems logical. And Dwayne Johnson has said many times he wanted to t- go toe to toe with Superman. Uh, reality is that. Uh, there, there's some behind-the-scenes connections with that, with with Dwayne Johnson producing as well on the Black Adam film. So I suspect he could throw his weight around a little bit. Uh, you know, so who knows? I don't think it's going to lead to another Justice League film. But with the other things, with uh, Flashpoint, if that does, if that's where the Flash movie goes, if the Flash movie happens as well, uh, Superman could appear there. You've already shown. No spoilers. It's been out for a while, and if you haven't watched it, you don't know. You know that Justice League ended with a race between Superman and the Flash to see who was the fastest. I doubt that the Snyder Cut ends that way, but you know, there we go. Uh, so that's it. Scott Derrickson, who was going to, who did direct Doctor Strange and was going to do in the Multiverse of Madness, left a few months ago. Uh, over creative differences seems amicable it was announced that he is this week that he will definitely be directing a sequel to labyrinth from tristar pictures and maggie levin uh is writing a script and maggie levin has done a couple of the into the dark movies for hulu uh for the Bloomhouse films so she's got an interesting dark take uh i don't have any idea what the what the plot will be and um 
and you don't have Jareth the Goblin King, it'd be hard to imagine anybody else stepping into those tights, but we shall see. Many people have wanted a sequel to Labyrinth for many, many years. Um, I always say with this kind of thing, be careful what you wish for, but on the other hand, Scott Derrickson's a doggone good director, so I'm going to go with that. Thanks to the success of being a virtual, uh, you know, a, a, a video-on-demand release, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has been greenlit. I don't know if that's going to be the title, but they're going for it. Did, have, did you watch Sonic the Hedgehog, Rick? I, I have not, not because I don't want to. I just haven't brought it around. Yeah, I kind of thought I would wait for it to not be a $20 cost. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I might pay five. Um, and, and it's not because I, I have no idea if it's a good or bad movie. It's just it's not a character that's like, ooh, you know. Uh, right. Because I really can't play the game very well at all. So uh, I just don't care. Simon Kinberg, who was the producer that drove the X-Men to the ground, has said he wants another crack at the Dark Phoenix saga. And I can only say, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the X-Men movies have tried There's still twice. a prestige there I need to get rid of. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, dude. Um, but this week, Netflix... Uh, finished the close the deal on buying the Hollywood Egyptian theater or the Egyptian theater in Hollywood, which is currently occupied by the American cinema cinema tech, uh, an organization that does revival of films and they run the beyond fest every year, like in October, which kind of the weird and out there movies as well as just, you know, they hold a lot of really good events. Uh, Nate Costa and I saw years ago, uh, Big Trouble in Little China with Kurt Russell and James Gunn talking afterwards. Uh, it's just great. It's a it's a grand old movie palace, um, you know, down down the street from uh, the the Chinese and the El Capitan, and Netflix has bought it, which means that although I think this year the Academy uh, of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences did change the rules that you don't that movies do not have to have a minimum one week. Uh, run in a theater to qualify for the Oscars if the Oscars do happen. But I think the reason being is because who knows if, if you'll be able to see a movie in the theater, although Christopher Nolan is insistent that Tenet is going to come out in, in July theatrically. Um, but this was Netflix way of making sure that if they had films like the Irishman last year, there was controversy about that. You know, they, they ran it in New York and now they can run it in LA and they can run movies in LA for a week before releasing onto Netflix. Let's go with uh, television, uh, since Netflix goes there, and Netflix is my next story. There's a rumor that Tom Ellis has settled a deal with Warner and uh, and Netflix to uh, reappear, uh, return, for a season six of Lucifer. Netflix had saved, saved Lucifer after four seasons, did really well uh, for them in repeats after Fox had, had let it go. And they had done a season five, and then they said that was going to be it. But now it, its ratings have been apparently doing so well that they wanted a season six. Tom Ellis, rightfully, I suppose, held out for a little more money. It looks like he may have gotten it. Again, you know, don't hold this as a fact. It's just a story that has come in this week. This week also launched HBO Max. So I think that's the big TV news because that's where the Snyder Cut's going to go. Uh, Doom Patrol season two is going to go alongside DC Universe. And then you get HBO. So did you get HBO Max? I haven't even done this. Uh, I, I Seriously, I haven't even done the free, uh, the free time on it because I, 
I'm not all that interested in seeing the Snyder Cut. It isn't out there. It's not out there until like the next month. Right. Uh, no, like it's, it's going to be 2021 as the Snyder Cut. But yeah, June, so bro, several series no are going to be launching in June. Yeah. But the, I I looked at it and like I've just got this. This is where I can easily draw the line on another subscription service. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just not not. I w- uh, I was hoping that you know they they've got Rick and Morty and they've got a lot of Adult Swim stuff, um, and they've got Crunchyroll, but it's not a wide, yeah, wide variety of the shows from those networks. I've got uh, I've got Crunchyroll. I've got everything on Crunchyroll I can watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I I'm not a Crunchyroll subscriber, but I thought, oh, you know, then I could give it to my son, and you know, but uh. It, but like the the Rick and Morty does not include the current season, so it's like well I've seen those. I I was hoping to catch up because it's, it's a little bit complicated for me to watch HBO uh, in my TV setup in LA. But I thought well if I had a HBO Max that would solve it and I'd be able to watch these things. And and this season's worth of stuff doesn't seem to be there yet. Uh, there's not a lot of while well, they. I've seen billboards bragging about uh, that they've got a lot of DC universe films. I mean, films dealing with DC characters. There's not a lot of recent stuff at, at this moment. Well, of course, neither does DC universe. The, the, the streaming service itself have a lot of the live action stuff. They have a lot of the old TV series. Uh, I say doom patrol season two is coming there. But on the other hand, if you've already got DC universe because you're in DC shows, I, I just can't recommend it at this point. However, in June, maybe. But for its first launch, uh, which I think back, you know, DC Universe itself was the same way. The first month was not a worthwhile investment. And I think... Um, that, no, because even Young Justice didn't come out. The first month of DC Universe didn't have anything new. Yeah, I think I think it was that I had not watched the last season of Young Justice prior mm-hmm. to that. Right, so for you that worked, but if you were a yeah. fan who was like going, yeah. ooh, Young Justice Season 3 is going to be the thing, or it was a Season 4, um, yeah. you know, it it didn't come for a month, and it was, the, the first month was you can catch up, well, you can read some comics, and, you know, so, I don't know, somebody asked uh, online, uh, a friend of mine asked, like, what, you know, what is the point of DC Universe now, and I think you and I have agreed, I think for if HBO Max is where, Warner really or AT&T really wants to put their focus. I think DC universe probably has about another month, uh, another year rather. Um, once they burn through the programming they have scheduled, I think there's another season of young justice coming. Uh, I'm not positive about that. I should, I should double check on that, but uh, there was a Lois Lane series that was announced that. Well, they've got nobody's Super- talking about Superman and Lois is coming in January, but that's the CW. Yeah, I'm saying DC Universe had a separate Lois Lane, and you can look live at action? the Family Planet Archives live action series. Yeah, that Harley, won't be happening. Harley Quinn season two has been uh, has been scheduled for yes. uh, you know already, but again, once those things are done, I, I I don't know. They could just roll into HBO Max. We shall see. Um, you know, it, I would like to ha- to cut down on my streaming services because oh. I would like them all to be gathered together. Uh, right now, I, again, I just don't think the DC stuff 
is enough to warrant if that was your interest because you can catch it up and cheaper at DC Universe, which I think is still seven ninety nine a month as opposed to the fourteen ninety nine a month for HBO, yes. HBO Max, which I think uh, you know even if it's like oh this is. I feel like even the shows that they've got that are popular, other than The Wire, the zeitgeist has kind of passed. Like, are people? It's like what? It's like watching Lost now. I think Lost was a great show for its time, and then people that loved Lost talk about Lost, but do they go back and watch it? And I'm Bruce. thinking like with Game of Thrones and Westworld. It's the new stuff that people want, and Game of Thrones is over, and everybody's been angry, and you all know that story, and. <laughs> You know, is that I'm not it? angry. No, I'm not. I'm not particularly either. But you know what? I'm too old and tired. Uh-huh. We've talked about this with fandom. I just don't. It's I move on. Right. Right. Thank God I, I did I, not get an awkward tattoo, you know, or name my child Daenerys. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I, I've I, I, I've got so much to watch. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've I've got I'm backlogged on everything. So no, I'm going to ask like HBO, HBO, I get HBO with my cable service. Right. So and there's so much of that's already already available to me as far as the movies go. So, um, well, supposedly with your with your cable service, you may have already actually upgraded. Uh, you have, have Comcast, check. right? Yeah, supposedly, supposedly, and uh, there. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a program here. Of course, you know, you and I were both loving Star Girl, and I got to say, Star Girl season uh, episode two, just yep. as satisfying. Yep. I. Yep. I Oh my God. I can't believe how much I love this series as being like, oh, is this suddenly the best one? I had to f- call, I had to call Justin in to watch the scene where Stripe is trying out his, his launchable yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah. It's just I, I, wonderful. I, I loved it. But I was catching up on one and I thought, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about it. I know I completely missed it because it was on Showtime, but now it's on Netflix, and I know you don't need another series to catch up on, but I was watching and saying to Stephanie through, oh, you know, like somebody's been reading their Kim Newman but trying not to go too close to it, uh-huh. <laughs> was Penny Dreadful. I have, Penny Dreadful is on my list of things. To, it, it is written for me, I will say that. Yes, okay, good. I, that's exactly what I thought, and I just wanted to make sure we we got through uh, the three seasons, and luckily it's only like nine episodes a season. It was written with a clear ending. Um, season two is not as great, but seasons one and three, it's all still one story, but it, it kind of lagged a little in the middle. But uh, I was just impressed as heck. And again, if people don't know who Kim Newman is, he is the writer of a series uh, set in what he calls the Anno Dracula universe and it's kind of a, a, where where again all these fictional monsters from Victorian times forward ha, and, and I guess it got sillier and, and beyond monsters it became all kinds of literature sort of like a league of extraordinary gentlemen but it's more horror focused. it's all it's all like a euro eurocentric version of um Philip Jose Farmer's Ward, Ward Newton well um, I, I want to give the exception because there's Johnny Alucard which is set yeah. in, in California yeah the, uh, yeah there are there are there are exceptions but yeah. yeah, the the uh, and even even his stuff that's not really connected to it still does the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a genre that I love, and I I can't explain why I'm so drawn to it, and, and why it saddens me that Dark Universe has not worked yet. Although I do want to say, rumor did also go back to movies that Ryan Gosling may be in talks to play Larry Talbot, the Wolfman, for a new film from Universal. 
But, you know, like, I, I'm with you in the terms of right now, it's like, let's just catch up on the new, on the old, because we have no idea when the new is going to actually start getting filmed. Yeah. You know, other than animated projects, animation is, is going to go gangbusters. So, you know, you know, if you, that. right now, if you have a film that's scheduled to, to shoot in New Zealand, you're golden. And I, I keep on thinking how many, how many productions are looking to see if they can re, if they well, can schedule. Uh, you, uh, if you're in New Zealand, you're golden. I don't know what their policy is going to be towards outside. Two weeks, two weeks of enforced oh, okay. um, quarantine before you can move about freely. Then that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'll move to. So you, you'd bring your cast down there. You get a you get a room together in the quarantine center. You do all your table reads for the next eight weeks, and then you go shoot when you get out. Yeah. Then uh, then that's gonna then that will be fine. Yeah, I, I would bet a lot of studios. New Zealand's gonna get a, a lot of uh, influx of money, studio money, and uh, we shall see. I keep. My fingers crossed. I've heard again that maybe they're looking to ramp up production in July. I've heard August. I just don't know. And uh, but in the meantime, as you say, there's so much that I can still catch up on and 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 catch up with. It sometimes it shows that I really wanted to watch and never made time for. Sometimes it's just oh, you know, I I stopped watching that. I want to go back into it. And uh, you know, like what we do in the shadows every week has been cracking me up. But that's led me to another show on. Netflix called Toast of London and with Matt Berry and I have been loving that show as well so you know we're discovering new stuff I hope you're discovering new stuff if you're listening and if you have anything uh, that you would recommend I don't know if we're going to be able to get to all this old programming because we have so much already that we was on our list but uh, we'll go forward and so Again, I know during this time, as things are opening back up and seeing what's going on, that there are a lot of pop culture podcasts that you could choose to listen to, and you chose to listen to this one, and I don't take that lightly. I don't take that for granted. Thank you so much. Uh, I, once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for, for good. good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.